Hi everyone, hey, thanks for the download. This is Tim. Just before we get started, a couple of announcements I want to make. We are now available on Google Play. So if you download your podcasts from there, you'll find us at Radio MVP. And also, of course, you can find us on iTunes. And if you do use iTunes, please rate, subscribe, and review our podcast. The more ratings and reviews we get, the higher we move up the rankings, the more we can grow RadioMVP.com. Today I am joined by Anthony and a brand new person to our Radio MVP family and James Dawson from Trip Live High School Sports Network and WKST 1200 as he is my basketball partner this year in high school sports. So we're going to get to that here in just a moment. So stay tuned for that. And unfortunately, we had some internet problems and connections towards the end of the podcast. So it was cut a little short. But it lasts about an hour, so enjoy the podcast. And again, don't forget to go to iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe our podcast. You can also find us on Stitcher and on Google Play. So with further ado, here is episode 26 of Radio MVP's Sports Podcast. Coming at you right now. Hi everyone, thanks for the download, I'm Tim, and joining me today is my podcast partner, Anthony Kepley, and my high school, and James Dotson from uh, Western Pennsylvania, as we, he and I are actually covering Newcastle basketball all season long, so he has a great roots in that area, he did high school football this past year with a former partner of mine, Lee Moan, and uh, he also is part of the Trib Live High School Sports Network. We're going to get it all that. Plus, we're going to talk sports like we always do here. For myself, want to talk about Anthony and I are huge YSU Penguins fans. Yep. As I mentioned before, Anthony is a saint and a crusader by education, but a penguin That's by right. heart. <laughs> That's right. I am a penguin by education and heart. And uh, we, uh, lo- we love talking Northeast Ohio, Western Pennsylvania stuff here. So we're going to get into the Steelers, too, because... Oh, my God. All my Steelers fans, I think, are having a heart attack last Sunday. Tim, they're yeah. still James. talking about it. You're seeing it everywhere. <laughs> exactly. It's not going exactly. away. Oh, no, no. Enough is enough And it's going to be fun. Okay. <laughs> that you know, catch doesn't even matter anymore. It really doesn't. Uh, it, it's fun, but we'll though, debate but, uh, it, right? No, no, we're absolutely going to debate it. Uh, and I'll give you my point of view on that here in a moment. And uh, obviously, Anthony being the Bronco fan that he is, He's like me, can't Do wait for the up. season to end. Do hey, it up. Osweiler, baby. Osweiler. <laughs> He's our hero. <laughs> He's going to save us from the depths of a, uh, a Cleveland reject goes, to, goes back to home and becomes a hero. That's right. What is thought? <laughs> yeah, we uh, beat the Colts. I feel like I've heard that one before. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, We'll get into some high school basketball as James, like I mentioned, uh, oh, and I will have a game uh, tomorrow night as uh, Blackhawk Newcastle to take them on in high school basketball. So we're going to get into that and a few other things. But first and foremost, let me take this opportunity to welcome you both to the podcast. Thank you, sir. And uh, if it's going to be as much fun as the last two minutes was, uh, I'll be on here a little more often, I tell you. <laughs> oh, I hope you will, James, because this is – 
going to be a lot of fun. And like I said, uh, we were originally going to have uh, Matt Emch join us, but unfortunately Matt's schedule was not available here tonight. So uh, he unfortunately uh, kind of uh, dissed out on us at the last moment, but that's okay. We wish Matt the best and we will talk to him soon. He's our high school football expert and uh, college football expert. Matt is a YSU Penguin by education and heart and on the field. James, he uh, played for for uh, Jim Tressel back in the day, winning national titles. So, uh, give you a little background about my high school football partner. Fun, fun. Hey, man, I'm not going to say how uh, how many years ago that was now, just because. Well, uh, I don't want to. I'm old. It's all right. Yet. You can say that. Well, I'm, I'm that old. Trust me. I mean, I, I don't want to call yeah. you Santa, but you know, I don't want to call you Santa. <laughs> no, I am old. I, I admit it. I don't care. Once you hit 50, you realize you're just freaking old. It doesn't matter no more. <laughs> Enjoy it. Oh, you know, dude. When you're 40, you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm kind of getting old. And then when you hit 50, you just don't care no more. <laughs> we go to hell. It doesn't matter. You're 15. You're being kicked out the door anyway. So what's the difference? You know? <laughs> oh. Anyways, hey, let's get into that Steelers thing right on top of the bat. Obviously, we're talking about the end of the game with the Patriots where the touchdown was originally called for the uh, reception by uh, Jesse James, and it was overturned on video. First and foremost, let's go to James's opinion about what happened and uh, his reaction to that entire scenario. Well, I'm going to say first, if it takes eight replays and – Two and a half minutes for one of the broadcasters, probably the brightest broadcaster in, in the current NFL game, and Tony Romo to even notice, ooh, that ball might bobble a little bit. It might hit the ground a little bit. That should have been enough right there to say, how could you ever overturn the call? Uh, the main thing that really irks me is that based on the interpretation of the rule that they were using, you have to control the ball to the ground. Yeah, I get that. That's, that's the way the rule is. I hate the rule. It's stupid. But yes, that is the rule. If that's what they're saying then I completely agree with the call that's made. However, this is a bad interpretation of that rule because he maintains, he, he catches the ball in the air. He then goes to a knee, pushes off of that foot and knee, reaches the ball forward. He is no longer in the process of making the catch as he goes to the ground. So I think they did in, uh, enforce the rule correctly, but it should not have been with that enforcement of the rule. And I don't know why, but there's like nobody out there who even looks at it that way. It feels like everybody's saying, no, he was going to the ground, period. I I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's been no talk of that anywhere else, it feels like. Anthony? Yeah, I I didn't watch it live, but I saw the replay. And I want to say this, the rule sucks, period. Well, yes. It's an awful rule. I was always under the impression once the ball crosses the front portion of the goal line, that's a touchdown. That's it. Oh, he and, controlled yeah. the ball and he was in the end zone. Like James said, they did interpret the rule as is written correctly, but they also want you to make a football move, and he did make a football move, and he scored, period. That was mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, the silver lining, if there is any, and I don't really believe in moral victories in sports. I think they suck, um, especially for a Steelers organization who's been so successful is the chance to beat New England twice this year very slim. You know you can beat them. You know you can beat them without A.B. Hopefully A.B. gets back by the AFC title game, probably when they meet. And, uh, I mean, Brady's looked human this year. 
And Gronk, it always seems, one year he's playing the AFC title game and one year he's out with injury. So it it's a let's wait and see. And not, I mean, New England could be knocked off in the division round. It all depends on on the matchups again. So um, I think, like James said, they interpreted correctly the way it's written, uh, but the rule stinks, and I disagree with the call. Right, and, and it becomes in that point, Anthony, a, it's a judgment call uh, mm-hmm. at that point of when he's maintained possession, and uh, same thing. If it's a judgment call, precedent has always been you can't overturn sure. a judgment yeah. call that was made on the field. Mm-hmm. So how they can overturn that, I, I mean, there's a lot of big-time question marks. I mean, you said about crossing the plane. That's only if you're a runner, not a receiver. I mean, that goes back to the Calvin Johnson rule, which, I mean, mm-hmm. we're still having Correct. to talk about how many years later. So uh, I really think this instance, more than any other one uh, over the past four or five years, uh, with Calvin Johnson a couple of times, uh, especially, I, I really think this is going to be the, the straw that breaks Campbell's back and finally get this uh, replay thing figured out, get this mm-hmm. actual catch rule figured out. Because in the end, if common sense says it's a catch, if common sense says, Yo, look, I can see this on the replay, that looks like a catch, how can I overturn it? That, that's, I think more than anything, I mean, we've had all the issues in the NFL already this year with uh, you know, kneeling for the anthem and all that garbage, and this might be more than anything we're just going to start turning people away when you can't enjoy a product on the field because of instant replay changing what looks like an obvious catch to being not one. You know, I kind of fall in the same category of both of you. First of all, he caught the ball. Then he lunges over the the goal line for the touchdown. However, if you read the rule and the rule is implied properly, which unfortunately it was, uh, he did lose control of the ball coming down. Now, is it ridiculous? Yes. Is it wrong? It's a bad rule. It's an absolute atrocious rule that the NFL has. But I've I've been against this rule, how they interpret it, uh, completions on replay for years. I mean, this is like you mentioned the Mm -hmm. Kelvin Johnson rule, uh, you know, the Des Bryant's catch in the playoffs. These are, these are all type of things. And, you know, the, the thing is the NFL is, you know, this is an owner's problem, not a player's problem or a coach's problem. The rule book, they're the ones who uh, design the, the rule book and has the competition committee and make these decisions. So it's honest on the, owners to make a change and the more i've found out about what you know this past week and the reaction is the owners have no desire to change it simply because they rather see maybe two to five plays a year that get this type of scenario where than having a rule written where they think maybe every game there'll be a controversy they said they could deal with four or five times a year no matter what game it is is in versus uh, having a rule that they believe that would be interpreted differently in every game on every catch. Now, I think, quite honestly, that's that's a huge cop out. And, but yeah, I think it's the right call on a bad on a bad rule, and that's the bottom line here. I think they got the call correct. Uh, I hate the rule, and I have hated the rule for years. I just think it takes away the spirit of the game. I mean, the game is about catching. And here's another problem I have with that rule to begin with is kind of what James was talking about and both you and Anthony were talking about is, you know, you want you cross the goal line is it a touchdown. Now, if it's a running play and there's a fumble that occurs after the ball quote unquote penetrates the, uh, the goal line, it's a touchdown and there's no fumble. However, if the, if a reception is made, it has to be completed to the 
which just absolutely makes no sense because the same vein, if you make the catch with two feet in ground and the ball is, is stopped and it's in his possession and he goes out of bounds, it should be the same thing like as a fumble into the end zone once he crosses mm-hmm. the goal line. You know, in my opinion, you, you, you take away the spirit of the game about scoring, and that's what it's about. It's about putting the ball in the end zone, and when you take that away from teams, uh, you create disenchantment with fans. And I think what James mentioned is is something that the NFL really seriously have to take a look at. Uh, Tim, let me play devil's advocate for you uh, real quick. What was the very first thing that you said regarding the catch or no catch? You said it, he caught the ball, correct? What, okay. Made the catch. Yes. He made he made the catch. Okay, I when agree with ma- that. When, when he made the catch, was he standing or was he falling? No, he was in the process of going down. Okay, he and, was and on his ground. He was on his knees. Yeah, and see, then he and, lunged forward yeah. across the goal line. Saying that's where my judgment call. I I saw it differently that he was still on uh, two feet. He then went to a knee to reach forward. And that's where same thing. A ref on the field is going to have to make that judgment at the time. Now you're going to tell me that the officials in the booth can then try to go and judgmentally say that, well, yeah, he actually wasn't standing like we thought originally. He was actually going to the ground originally. Isn't now we're going to apply a different though, rule. Correct me if I'm wrong here, because mm-hmm. I thought the final call is made by the official on the field when he looks at the video. I think I don't that think might, so. Not anymore. That changed this year, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's the. It may have. It may have. I've always thought that's the, the first, reason why they have the video on the sideline, and the, and the official head official goes over and makes a ruling as he he examines the video. I believe uh, it's I'm the not, person in the booth now this year. Yes, it may be. In fact, it might just I be really one one person who does it for like all the NFL games all at once, kind of like yeah. what the NHL system has been for the last couple of years. Right, and that's how Major League Baseball is too. Yep, with their decisions that it comes out in New York also. So. Uh, it very well possible, you know, um, I mean, I don't know why then the head official needs to look at the video. Yep. If someone from New York is making a decision from what I heard, um, during a Broncos game, a couple weeks ago, when they had a review, the referee on the field watches video to understand why the call is being what it is. So he has a clear understanding of mm-hmm. what, what, what it will be. And also, That's I think, the, to be able to explain to the guy doing the yeah. reviewing in New York of, hey, this is what we called, this is what we saw mm-hmm. here, rewind it to that. And and they kind of work work together, it sounds like, mm-hmm. but in the end, it is the uh, guy in New York or wherever who's making the, uh, or in the booth making the call. Right. <laughs> it's, you know, the guy's not watching the game every single play, but hey, let's make him make a call, which <laughs> the NFL has not made much sense this year, so. Well, no, I mean, the NFL itself, its product has made a lot of, I think, uh, errors over the last 10 yes. years are catching up to them. And in the process of like, leaves them down this road where they have these uh, instances that really uh, challenges uh, fans and their their belief in a fair system. Look, it was not a conspiracy. I know that. No. <laughs> I, 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 love, I love the fans and love. They're just a huge, this is a conspiracy, you know, because of the Patriots. The NFL don't want the Patriots to lose. Wasn't it the uh, Patriots owner who hated uh, Goodell? uh, Excuse me, Mm -hmm. hated uh, Goodell the most uh, a year ago because he lost his first round draft pick and his quarterback for four games. And, uh, you know, I had the, uh, and now this year he's like buddy buddy with them because the call went their way. (laughs) I I find that kind of, 
kind of ridiculous uh, and, and counterproductive of the uh, conspiracy theory. Tim, Tim, ninety percent uh, of the ninety percent of the fans who say conspiracy theory that uh, the Patriots are 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 getting you know the the benefit of the doubt here or whatever you want to call it. Ninety percent of those fans can't even spell Patriots, so yep, we'll leave it at that. Yep. <laughs> He's right there. Don't talk about the Steelers fans that way. You're a Steelers fan. S T I L L E R Z. Steelers. I love it. Y- Yins don't know about the Steelers. Come on. <laughs> get, take it downtown. Get some bananas. I will be there next week. Actually, I tell you what. Good call. I oh, will really? Be there. Yes, I uh, will be there in section five twenty three. Um, bundle up and how take your binoculars. <laughs> what, Tim? So how did you end up going to the Steelers game? Well, my my mom has no idea what to buy my cousin for his for Christmas, and he's always wanted to go to a Brown Steelers game. Well, ah. I happen to be the lucky one off that day, so it falls <laughs> on me to go see two teams in 20-degree weather at the top of Heinz Field I don't care about. One of which is winless. <laughs> yes. And, and most likely will be. However, I, I do believe this you, week Tim. they have the – I disagree with you. However, this, I was going to say, however, this week I think is their best opportunity uh, to win a game. Uh, I think the Browns win this Bears week. are very beatable. And I do believe tonight, this weekend, we'll give them another opportunity to win. Of course, I said that against the Packers, and they went to overtime and lost. And I said that against – and they the went to overtime and lost. So, and they, well, no, I knew I knew they couldn't beat the Ravens. <laughs> I knew they couldn't beat the Ravens. <laughs> it's a divisional game. Come on, those those are two easy wins every year for every team in the division. I mean, I can't remember the last time they actually defeated a, a divisional foe. Uh, uh, the, you know, wasn't the Bengals a couple? You know years what ago? though? I, I, it could have been. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. Too too long into the memory bank. <laughs> uh, you know, if a baseball mentality when it comes to the Browns is is like yep. every at bat, once you once the bat's over, you forget about it and move on. <laughs> and it's kind of a poker's attitude too. Once I play the hand, I forget about it. People come up to me and ask me, "Why did you do that? And what hand are you talking about?" I don't remember. I just uh, have a short term memory problem nowadays. And, I blame it all on everything else. It's almost baseball season. <laughs> it's almost baseball season. It is. We're like Winter 100 days from opening up. day. Yeah. yeah, we're less than 100 58 days. 58 days from – yeah, I think it's 99 days today to opening day and yeah. 57 days to start of the training camp. So, and so you're headed out to Arizona. Arizona. I am. I am. We're going out in early March uh, for a couple of days to Goodyear to uh, – Yeah. Uh, see spring training and see uh, yonder Alonzo. He's gonna, he'll save yes. us. Well, you know what? I mean, and Melvin Upton Jr. Quite on Santana striking out from the right side of the plate no more. No, 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 no we won't. But <laughs> how long? How, oh, God. And that one handed down to one knee swing that he waves in the air like a show. Oh, God. But in his defense, he wasn't going love- he wasn't you know what? Here's base. the truth about Santana. Real quickly, here's the thing about Santana. I love the guy in a sense. Uh, I think he always gave his best effort. I think he is what he is, about a 260 hitter at best. Well, five RBIs and hit about 25 home runs. Um, and not necessarily hit a home run when you most needed it or mm-hmm. uh, when it is uh, most opportune time in a, in a ball game. But I don't, 
you know, I'm disappointed that he's gone, but in the same vein, it's I'm so used to it in baseball. You uh, players move on all the time, and I yeah. can't blame a guy. You get a, you have a sixty million dollar contract in front of you, and and your home team is offering you a thirty six million dollar contract. That's a pretty easy decision in my mind. What would you say, uh, Tim? You know, even uh, I can do that one. What would you say to having Joe Buck's husband in left field for you this year? Who are you talking about? Well, from what I've been reading, if the Indians were to package Salazar to the Cubs, Kyle Schwarber is the main piece the Indians want in return. Who? Kyle Schwarber. Oh, Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber or Ian Happ? I want Happ. I do, too. I, I think the Indians would hold out for Happ. That's just my opinion. I have nothing against Schwarber. I just think Schwarber's the same thing as Santana. A guy's going to hit. 250, 260 at yep. best, and hit a lot of home runs. Um, can't steal hey, bases. At least Santana can get on base and run. Two years ago, I'll take him. If he wants to hit 700 and play outstanding defense when, oh, yeah. when he's in there in left field, I'll take it. Yeah, we'll so, wait and see. I, I don't know what they're going to do there. Go ahead, it's, inc- it's, incredible, it's incredible that hitting 260, though, is going to get you and, those kind of numbers and that yeah. kind of incredible. Can, can I, you know, be right on a math question one out of four yeah, times and, yeah. and go make $35 million, please? Like, yeah, no. I know. I, know. I, mean, I, I, don't, it is, it, I don't think anybody on the Pirates was hitting over 300 at the end of the year. And if so, it was like Marte at 301. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's, those days of having you know, you the know, Pirates, your, your 300 every year, those days are gone. Yes, they are. Yeah. Especially with launch. You know what? The game has changed because it is, you know – Kind of like with, you know, uh, Elzondo that they brought in, uh, Yolander, uh, was it Elzondo? I'm saying it wrong, but uh, Elzondo. Yeah, you said it right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Friday uh, night already, Tim. <laughs> I know. Hey, hey, get used to it, my friend. Get used to it. Uh, but anyways, uh, what I was going to say, uh, you know what? He changed his swing to get an uppercut swing to get mm-hmm. home runs. Uh, he hit 28 this past year. His previous high was nine. This is a, this is a trend in Major League Baseball. This yep. is going not just you know with these ball players, but all over. That's why you see so many swings and misses now than ever before. And devalued uh, when you look at teams today. You don't find that's just like last year when. Edwin and Carcione uh, came to the Indians is because no one else was willing to pay him that money. And that's just the way it works in baseball. Now uh, the home run has been devalued because there've been so many of them in the last uh, two years. And you don't necessarily see the value for the player that you once did, you know, for uh, the Mark McGuire's and the, and the uh, Albert Bell's and, and you name the uh, homer, Jim Tomey, uh, those type of players. Uh, they just, you're not going to find that because the game has changed. Uh, strikeouts are devalued. You know, you can strike out 125, 150 times, and it's no big deal. Uh, you can be, you know, you could be Aaron Judge who sets a new record for strikeouts in consecutive games and, and get a raise. You know, that's just the way the game has changed. It's just, it's an amazing thing when you look at it. But you and I used to talk about Santana is when a runner was second, up, second base and you needed him to advance a runner with one out, he almost always struck out. It seemed that way, didn't it? Yeah. Yes, it did. You know, and I'm not. I'm not really knocking on him. That's just the, how the game has changed. The value of moving runners and the value of putting the ball in play is just not as high as it once was. Well, somebody bunt once 
Please. Oh my god! Thank you. Please. I've been screaming about a bunt for years. Just move the guy over. Or, or especially when you got that lefty and you have four infielders all to the right side of second base. Just oh, put it down. You mean you can get it back to a hit? I don't. We said that. I mean, you can weigh as much as all three of us combined, and you could get a bunt single yeah. with that infield. Sam, how long have you and, and I been saying question. that? Oh yeah, you just put the ball in play. You just understand where you need to put it, and. Uh, you know, that's one thing I'll give Santana credit for is that actually he has laid down bunts when they, they had that shift on him many times, and then they kind of convinced him that it wasn't worth doing. It is what it is. They'd rather see a three-run homer than uh, moving runners. I don't get it, but it is what it is. You know, I wish him well. Uh, I think the Phillies got a good a good player for the next three years, and, uh, you know, they had the money to spend. That's all it takes is one team. To uh, make that type of offer, and you're going to lose a player. That's just the way it works. You know, it's just like the Pirates right now. They have to trade him. They have no choice but to trade him. They're not going to sign him next year. It, it very well could happen. I hope so. I'm not saying it's in the work. It. I'm not saying it's in the works, but it could happen. I think you know the Pirates are absolutely the face of the of the uh, team for the last ten years. They have no choice for their future but not to move him. They have to move him this year. James, your thoughts? I mean, I think so too, just for the, the way the franchise ends up working and, and doing the best for the team. It's just always going to be difficult to say, you know, you know, this is, I mean, quote unquote, the face of the franchise. But I mean, you could say the same thing when they had Neil Walker, a hometown boy, first rounder from right down the road at Pine Richland. And, and now they're going to get rid of your Pittsburgh boy. And a lot of people were not fans of that, but it was the right decision for the team. You couldn't pay a guy that much. And, even with that, too, I mean, baseball is so much more difficult because you have, as we have a guest trying to join us here. That's quite all right. She's more uh, than welcome. <laughs> we, uh, it's very difficult to be able to do all this when you have a scenario of not having a salary cap. And you can have two different teams paying so much of a different amount. And then, you know, you got a team who's willing to pay $30 million just to talk to a guy from Japan mm-hmm. where uh, some other teams aren't, aren't able to pay that much for almost an entire uh, staff for a year, for an entire roster. Yeah, you know, baseball has two salary caps. It has those who can afford to go over it and those who stay under it. And, you know, you're talking about the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Cubs, you know. Uh, but the, the luxury tax, right? Is that what they call yeah, it? Yeah, the luxury tax. But you know what that is? It's a salary cap deep down. That's what it is. You're mm-hmm. just allowed to go over it like the NBA does. And if you do, you pay a tax, you pay a, a penalty. And those teams who can afford to do it, do it consistently. I think the Yankees have paid, quote unquote, the tax the last 15 years, and they're going to continue to do it because they can. I, I believe the Dodgers still have the highest payroll in baseball. So, you know, like I said, there's two two levels of baseball. You have someone like the Astros who actually did the correct thing, you know, 45 years ago, tear down their team to nothing and had a small payroll and build up their their franchise and you know they were able to uh, cash in and hit the uh, hit the hit the mother load this past year and win the world series. You know the Indians did the same thing a few years back and you know look what they did. They went to the world series, you know, 2 years ago and last year made the playoffs and had an opportunity to go back. And you know their window of opportunity is probably going to close here within the next year or two. Exact same thing. I mean, it's unfortunate but that's just the way these market teams like you know Cleveland and Pittsburgh and Minnesota and others have to work. They can't make five, ten-year runs. It's impossible. You have to make. You have a window of opportunity about three to five years, and if you don't cash in, 
you ha you have to cash in your chips and start all over again. It's just the way it works for smaller tip market teams. Fans have to adjust to that, especially if you're a Cleveland fan or a Pittsburgh fan or a Minnesota fan or even the Marlins right now and what they're going through. That's a little different, but it's the same scenario there. They just don't know what they're doing. And, uh, and you know, long-term, we'll see how it works out. It's not a surprise the rich gets richer. Those who are in the middle class in Major League Baseball, you know, stay the same and have to go through these cycles. Yeah, it's uh... – it was very tough to see what the Yankees did a couple a couple days ago with Stan and Nather being linked to Garrett Cole and it's like Tim said the rich get richer. It's you know and again and, I I don't blame the Pirates for trying to trade Cole. It makes sense. I don't either. I mean his value mm -hmm. is at the highest level and they're not going to resign him in two years. Yep, he's not with his uh, representation is it's not going to happen. Yep. And and I don't blame the Pirates for. Drafting him, bringing him to the major leagues, getting the most out of him. Yeah, he had a bad – I don't want to say a bad year. A down year. He was hurt last year, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. He, he, was he wasn't, a little bit. Yeah, he, he was banged he wasn't up, himself. missed a start yeah. here and there. He, he wasn't his best. But, I mean, here's the thing, too, and, you know, the Pirates fans for the last 20 years have said it. You know, every time we get somebody good, of course, yeah, we train them away in exactly this because it's the right move. How many minor league players have we gotten over the years? The question to me ends up being, and the question that you end up hearing among all Pirates fans is, God, with all these minor league players that we've gotten, that we're gonna, yeah, they're going to be really good. They're going to be really good. Yep. And then they go nowhere. So, I mean, yeah, like, so that's uh, we've been waiting yeah. 20 years for these minor leaguers to turn into nothing. And that's where I think right. uh, you right. get a, a really frustrated fan base that way. Well, you know, you're right. Because that's, that's the key. What you just mentioned is – identifying the talent that you're getting back and believing that they are quality blue chip, you know, prospects. I mean, let's, you know, look at the Cleveland Indians. you like, we just mentioned Santana left. Santana was traded to the Indians to. For Casey Blake. From, uh, right. I was just going to say Casey Blake from the Dodgers. And he spent seven years, eight years with the Indians, you know, at the major league level. Uh, well, Brantley, he was the key part of the trade. Actually, he was the last. You were last throwing. Yeah. It was the last part of the trade for CC Sabathia when he was traded to Milwaukee. And, you know, they didn't get a – they had a couple other players that kind Matt of fizzled Laporta. out with – right, right? That, that never worked out or they did their careers. And then, you know, you have a, um, a Michael Brantley who, you know, kind of blossomed into an all-star. Uh, so, you know, you have to identify those players that you're getting back. That's the key. I mean, obviously, draft well and you have to develop talents. I mean, baseball is more – evident than ever because uh, the draft you do today is not for your major league team in 2018 it's for your major league team in 2022 and that's the hardest part of the job in baseball is to project these players you know where they'll be you know but Derek Coles obviously was a no-brainer and look where he's at right now if you if you can get the Yankees who have a superb you know, minor league system, there's some nice pluckings there that you can get. You know? Like, for example, if you can get Sheffield out of that trade. I heard Clint Frazier. Yeah, well, Clint Frazier, yeah. yeah. Let's just say they ended up maybe trying to get both of them. That would be a phenomenal trade yes, for the Yankees. Would. You know, uh, that you know, there are two former Cleveland Indian prospects, but they have other players. You know, yep. they have a full farm system that is that's ready to be plucked. Uh, so, I mean, if you make the right moves, you can get some quality talent back. I think Clint Frazier would be a hit in Pittsburgh. I, think I do, too. I do, too. Uh, 
You know, and he has a great personality, and he's a guy who, you know, probably realistically could hit about 260, 270, and, mm-hmm. hit, and probably drive in maybe 30 home runs at minimum. Yep. I agree with you that. Know, for a full season. And so I think, you know, long term, if, if he's part of the, any type of trade for Derek Coles to the Yankees, then I think you have to do it. I mean, I think a player like that you can actually use today at the major league level and build a team around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but that's that's the cycle of baseball. We've seen it so many times. Uh, you know, you have such a small window of opportunity. That's what, you know, as an Indian fan, losing game seven of the World Series is just so heartbreaking to get that close and, and not be able to close the door. And then in the same vein, you know, the following year had the – had the, the offensive season that they had, you know, win 102 games, have 22 games winning streak, get into playoffs, have a two-game lead against the Yankees, and and watch it fall apart. You know, those those are heartbreaks, but that's just that's that's what makes you watch sports, though. That's right. Let's be honest. Why yeah. I don't care. I mean, thrill of victory is always the best, but you know, part of sports is is understanding that you're not always going to be have the best of it. You may be the best team out there, but you may not always have the best of it, and. Let's face it, even the Steelers the last few years have had some great teams that haven't made it to the Super Bowl. Yep. Well, and I was going to say that same thing. I mean, the only reason that we're still talking about a, a game that happened last Sunday is because of a little bit of controversy. That's going to keep us talking about it because you know, right. that's how invested we are in it. So, you know, th- right. th- thanks to uh, everything for being just completely chaotic and giving us something to talk about. Oh, there's so, and, so uh, James, let me take a moment here and just uh, talk to you for a second and Talk about your background. Obviously, you're with Trips, uh, uh, Trib Live, uh, High School Sports Network. You've been with them for a while. Uh, just give uh, our listeners here on Radio MVP a little background of yourself and uh, how you and I uh, teamed up this year. Uh, when I was in college, I was part of a uh, community sports outlet. We called 360 Community Sports. It was about uh, local athletes from uh, the Lawrence County area where we were based and uh, athletes who were, had gone on to the college level, you know, kind of a what are they doing now sort of thing. And we kind of spread off from there into more generic uh, sports podcasts and uh, eventually got ourselves into full fantasy mode as the 360 Sports Network. And uh, with that, uh, just carried that on for almost probably seven or eight years. And randomly, I got a call from a local broadcaster, the uh, late, great Mark Shaw's, saying, uh, hey, uh, you've been giving me great fantasy advice for the last couple of years. Love what you're doing. Uh, have you ever considered doing broadcasting for a football game? I need somebody to work this Friday because uh, Lee Moan, the guy you mentioned earlier, uh, uh, he, he can't come this week. So I said, yeah, sure, what the heck? Did it, loved it, ended up doing like four or five games with them that year and uh, ended up getting hired by MSA Sports as a radio broadcaster that following year. MSA Sports, now the Trib Live High School Sports Network. This is now my third full year with them. And uh, sadly, it was tough shoes, uh, impossible shoes to fill uh, this past fall uh, with the passing of Mark suddenly over the summer. Uh, that uh, I, I took over his role uh, with uh, WJST in Newcastle uh, for the football games every Friday night. But uh, we live with his honor, and now you and I have teamed up because uh, you can't have one person go and step into his shoes for the basketball. It takes two of us uh, to try to get to what he uh, was able to bring on the court. So uh, that's uh, how we joined forces for KST for all Newcastle high school basketball games. And uh, that's where you'll see us or hear us every Tuesday and Friday night pretty much now until the end of uh, – end of uh, February and hopefully even further for, uh, for the Canes as uh, they get on their stretch run. But uh, now with the Trib Live Sports Network, I do pretty much everything in, in sports. I am apparently the uh, 
the expert in the competitive cheer championships. Oh, really? Well, because <laughs> I uh, can't wait to talk about that. Oh, so all right. So here, uh, I'll give you the quick story on that one. So uh, I end up getting, you know, like we get our weekly email of what games are doing this week, and I get my normal Tuesday Friday basketball game, uh, and then I see Saturday that I'm one of three people doing the competitive spirit championship, and I'm thinking, <laughs> what the heck is this? So I go and I look. It's like okay, it's it, it is it's it's cheerleading competition essentially is what it is. And a minute thirty seconds or or two minutes thirty seconds I should say of the cheerleaders going through their normal cheer routine of you know a cheer a song a cheer. Uh, long story short, uh, I, I go in there and just so happened to know a local coach. Uh, she graduated high school with me, so I called her and said, "All right." Give me, give me some terms. Give me some phrases. Give me something I can, I can work with here. Uh, two hours later, uh, after a, a two-hour phone call with her, um, apparently I know more than the rest of the network combined, and now I'm getting called back every year to do it because I'm the one who knows what, uh, what's going on and can tell a difference. <laughs> I can tell a difference between, between a one-man and, and a, uh, a two-man crew and a, and a solo and w- what's a backhand spring versus a somersault and what's legal and what's not. So uh, th- that's, I guess, my claim to fame. But I've done basketball. I've done hockey. I've done football, lacrosse. Uh, just about anything on on the network. Uh, that's that's what I'm there for, I guess. And that you know keeps me out of trouble. I'm going to be at a game on a Friday night anyway. I might as well go enjoy it and uh, maybe make some money while we're at it. Right. And that's the fun way about it. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, this is actually my third time with this network. I uh, back uh, around 2000, I want to say mm-hmm. it was called Nauticom. Yes. And at that time. They expanded out of Western Pennsylvania to Ohio, I think California and uh, Georgia, a few other. They, they had this big aspiration of making this huge high school network for the entire country. And we got involved at the station I was at. So we ended up uh, being part of that for both uh, high school, I think football for sure, maybe basketball too. I don't remember. And then, of course, unfortunately, not a comp had their financial problems and uh, retreated out of the uh, the expanded states that they were in Western Pennsylvania became MSA and as the years went by obviously I was I actually ended up over in uh, Meadville and Franklin area for about five six years but they were not part of any type of internet uh, broadcast or rebroadcast of any game so they were not in that uh, networks uh, with with uh, district 10 so when Mark had his uh, stroke a few years back, I happened to be in between jobs and gigs and in doing high school sports games. And I actually got a call from uh, Jim Shields, I believe, or I got an email from Jim Shields asking me if I was still available. And I said, yes. And the next thing I know, I got an email from uh, KST and that's when uh, they ended up you know, asking me if I was still available and would I be willing to come in and help them out in this situation. And that's when I filled in for Mark, uh, unfortunately, in a sense, the first time uh, during high school football and worked with um, with Lee uh, mm-hmm. that year. And then Mark joined us late in that season. And, of course, now here we are both uh, filling the shoes of uh, Mark Schoss, who uh, we did a tribute to him here on uh, Radio MVP a few a few months ago, after, really right in the fall, some uh, – some clips of he and I doing a game together. Uh, it was quite fun. And uh, so those who were trying to find out who uh, Mark Schoss is, go back in September, uh, maybe early September of 
on our webpage, Radio MVP, and look at that. You'll find one that says Sashi on it, and that's the one you want. Sashi. Listen, uh, like I always says, he's a little sour, but he's also a sweet guy, a good guy, and uh, a little salty at times, but that's what it made uh, Mark Mark, and uh, it was a lot of fun. But anyways, so here I am uh, back over in Western PA doing high school basketball for the first time in about four years, and it's wonderful to be doing basketball again. And here we are with now Trib Live. So my third indication or uh, time around with this network with three different. Uh, yeah, same network, new name, doesn't matter. So uh, still a chance to, what I really like about what the Nauticom MSA now Trib Live has been able to do is, in fact, we can go back and listen at any time. I mean, obviously we can do that with, with podcasts and, and all that uh, as well, but it's just fun to for, for these young athletes, I mean, you hear, yeah, we're on the radio. Yeah, but we're on TV. Even the games that are on TV, you know, unless you go and, and physically DVR record it, you're not going to see them again. Something like this, you can go back and, and even the games that we live video stream. Trib Live is doing a, their first two basketball video streams tomorrow night down at Fox Chapel uh, for a couple of games. So same thing. You can go and watch or listen back to it uh, anytime you want. So that's uh, what we really like about it. And, you know, it, it really allows us to also network in, in that regard, too, because same way. You know, we we met uh, two years ago uh, when you were doing those Correct. games uh, and, you know, really didn't think of it. You know, hey, how you doing? And two years. Ago, oh, yeah, Tim, I remember him. Yeah, of course. Hey, yeah. let's uh, let's let's get things going. And it's just, you know, kind of that nicety of, you know, knowing what's going on, knowing who's out there and uh, and being able to bring everything together. Yeah, I mean, I look forward to maybe talking to some of the those who are involved with the uh, trip live here in the future and uh, have them come on the podcast and talk about the history of that and. Also, uh, just uh, making some contacts, and then I haven't talked to anybody over there for many years. Matter of fact, uh, when there was the Ohio Nauticom type thing, um, oh god, now I'm blanking on the name, showing my age again. Uh, uh, Leroy, uh, the the NFL player from the Browns, the Hall of Famer. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, uh, uh, I know him too. I can't think of it. it uh, Anyways, he was the uh, he left the Cleveland station to take over the the internet broadcast for Ohio over here, and uh, I met him a few times. He's now over in uh, Phoenix. Uh, I should just look it up on my my phone, but I'm just too lazy to do that. So, <laughs> screw that. <laughs> you know, hey, you know, everybody knows the me from my. <laughs> oh, here's here's one thing you'll get with me, and this is when I did high school sports here for uh, uh 20 years ago i i'm i'm a no bullshitter i tell you straight out what's going on and what i believe and what i'm thinking if i make a mistake so be it i'll call me out on it i could care less uh and uh he's the anti you know, that's what i love about doing this <laughs> <laughs> oh and i <laughs> i don't like the guy we'll get into that, we'll get into tell. that another day <laughs> let's put it this way one thing you'll 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 find out from me is I won't steal someone else's information <laughs> and, and report it as my own. I will definitely give credit where credit is due. I will never ever say, "Oh, you know, such and such pitched a five-year contract, such and you know," and, and look, put it out as I broke the story. That will never happen. I will always give credit to those who actually did the work. You're saying there's integrity still in the media? Wait a minute, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm not i you know you know what i have a lot of friends who actually cover high 
uh, college and pro uh, sports. And uh, matter of fact, uh, I keep threatening to bring him on. I haven't done it yet, but Eric Bolin, uh, who probably never has listened to this yet, and probably only will once in his lifetime when he's on, uh, is uh, his, he's going to be on here soon. It's just a matter of me making a contact. He actually covers the Yankees. So uh, yeah, he was my former uh, partner in crime over in Ohio when we did high school sports together and uh, talked sports back uh, about 20 years ago, believe it or not. Two years ago now. It's a long time ago. That's all I know. Uh, enough of me daydreaming about the band past. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me about our Penguins. I know you had some breaking news yeah. coming into tonight. Um, my sources have confirmed that offensive coordinator, much maligned offensive coordinator between the fans, Shane Montgomery, has left. He Rumor has it he's accepted a job uh, at a Division One university. I uh, cannot confirm which university that is, but uh, multiple sources are confirming that he is gone. So in a span of two days – the offensive and defensive coordinators are gone, and so when we thought we just had to replace the quarterback and some offensive linemen, we got to replace a whole lot more. Um, replacing Montgomery could be an easy task, or it could be a deeper problem than that. Um, I think this year is going to be a lot better. I just think it's going to be uh, – a whole heck of a lot better, although, once again, the Missouri Valley Conference has decided to screw us with the <laughs> scheduling as the November schedule is at North Dakota State, home versus Northern Iowa, and at Illinois State. I don't know what we did to the conference to deserve that once again. Uh, the good news is we don't play Missouri State, so we don't get a guaranteed win. Um, another bad thing about the stupid scheduling is our bye week is right after mighty Valparaiso explain that to me once again it's the third straight year yeah so after we play Butler, West Virginia and Valpo we need a a week off the only good news is we get a week off before we go to Western Illinois to begin conference play Take it for what it's worth. You know, I know Bo doesn't really care about it, but I'd rather have a bye week after, say, South Dakota, South Dakota State, and my modern Valparaiso. But now we've got to replace two coordinators and a quarterback. So it's going to be a, uh interesting offseason, to say the least. I, I'm i kind of excited about the change. I mean, not I am that I... Too. I think we needed it. You know what? I, look, I think change is sometimes... And, especially at uh, Youngstown State level, it's going to happen. You know, obviously coaches get opportunities to move on. And, uh, you know, let's be honest, Carl's they can double, it. triple their pay, and I, and I totally get it. And, uh, you know, Polini moving on is, is not a, a shock. Carl's a good guy. I, I used to interview him when he uh, coached uh, the Austintown Fish Falcons back in the day. And good man. And I think he's, uh, you know, trying to rebuild his career. And he, you know, and he has that problem. And, uh, you know, he can be successful. I know he is. He's a very intense guy at times. And uh, I think he knows his football. The Pelinis do. And I think Bo is going to continue to lead the, the Penguins in the right direction. I think him having a chance now to the offense and what the direction goes mm-hmm. will be really, uh, you know, something yeah. to watch and see how it does. Because, look, you know, he, he decided to keep, you know, Shane Montgomery on when he became the head coach at, at Youngstown. So, 
it, I think this is an opportunity for him to maybe put his uh, blueprints on a tape of a uh, offense that he wants to run versus the one that he inherited. Got to get. I get the feeling, um, and this is just my gut feeling, I think we'll see somebody with Nebraska ties to Bo of a spread offense, a quarterback that can run around a little bit, not necessarily um, a run a quarterback 20, 25 times a game, but I do think we'll see more of the, uh, off- the spread offense. Um, as for defensive coordinator, it it's going to be Bo's system. So that's not going to – effect uh the only thing you're going to miss from carl is the intensity and you know the uh really understanding of Bo's system um i'd love to see richard mcnutt be promoted i think he's a rising star i think he is an absolute rising star as if a, anybody who's if anybody's going to replace Polini someday it very well could be mcnutt i think he uh, it wouldn't shock me wouldn't shock me at all yeah i he is so is intense about football. I mean, he was that way when he came with Bo from Nebraska, yeah. and I just uh, he's about a guy who's on a mission, yes. you know. And whatever he's doing, he's a hundred percent in. And and you know, he never thought he would leave Lincoln, Nebraska, and he did. Yeah, what's not so it tells you, you everything you need you to know. know. And off the field, he's a great guy. I've had some interactions with him, um, and my first interaction with him came last year after the national championship game, and he apologized to me. He said, I'm sorry we failed you. And I said, we just went 12-4 and four on one of the greatest runs this program's ever had. You have nothing to apologize about. He said, we failed fans like you down in winter section put on that display. And I said, no, we just got beat up by a better team. But that's just kind of coach she is. You know, he expected um, – the job he's done, you know, if you consider just – 2013, 2014 was Eric Wolford's last year here, and our defense was bottom of the conference. I mean, it was terrible. I, I know, Tim, you can attest to how many deep balls we gave up, and now this secondary for the third year in a row has led the country in pass defense just over 140 a game. That's incredible. I mean, that's incredible considering – you know, we've seen Carson Wentz and Easton Stick and uh, Tyrell Christian and uh, Chris Strievler. We've played Pitt and Skyler Howard at West Virginia. Now we're going to play Will Greer next year. Um, you know, we played Shore from James Madison. We've played a lot of good passing teams, and we shut them down. Um, so I would love to see McNutt be promoted. Um, I have the utmost faith in Bo. Uh, it's not going to be a shock if he promotes somebody on the defensive side. It could be Stoops who had the job uh, in Bo's first year here. Um, I think it'll be a little more interesting to see what we do offensively. Um, Part of me says that Bo's going to try to bring in a Division I transfer at quarterback uh, to run his system. Um, Or we'll just have to go with the guys on on the roster. And hope to God that the injury bug doesn't bite us again like it did last year. And uh, we realized previous we, two years, yeah, yeah. And, and what we realize is the good thing is we got most of our defense coming back that was young. We got our special teams back, and we got two of the best backs in the country, in all the country, and Tev McCaster and uh, Christian Turner and Joe Alessi. 
So you got three studs back, and like if you if you run the football well and you stop the run, you're going to win many games. So the good thing is we don't have five games in five weeks against top five teams. The bad news is you better be in playoff position going into November or you're going to be in a world of hurt trying to go to Fargo and normal. You know, Jim Tressley used to say uh, pretenders play in October and November they're for contenders. November. Yeah. 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 And that's exactly I it. Do hey, know- James, who's your uh, high school? Who's your college team that you follow? I am a Penn State graduate, so that's my uh, that's my top pick is uh, the Nittany Lions. And man, they had a, a heck of a recruiting day yes, they I guess did. yesterday. Yes, um, they did. The, the The whole Micah Parsons thing. I mean, with Penn State, decommits wants to look elsewhere. Ohio State's a big part of it. Recruiting violations, they have to stop recruiting them. Pretty much, then the slam dunk back to Penn State. He's going to be uh, a beast really, really quickly, and. Uh, Hey, I got to give a shout out too. There's a, a kid, a wide receiver from, uh, I believe he's from the New Jersey, uh, by the name of Jahan Dotson. So, you know, here's uh-huh. where I'm now mad that Penn State doesn't have uh, names on the back of their jerseys. So, you know, hey, we'll take it. But I, I'm, I'm really <laughs> excited about their class. And uh, I just hope that they, I'm actually excited that they have a new offensive coordinator too. Uh, coming in because there were lots of times this past year that I did not agree with uh, some of the play calls that, that Joe Moorhead was, was calling. So I'm anxious to see what they uh, pull out with there and how they use Tommy Stevens. And I'll tell you what, Saquon Barkley going away, Miles Sanders might be better. Oh, I mean, wow. This wow. kid, Miles Sanders, well, I mean, everything is saying he's ready for it. He should be just as good, if not better, than what Saquon Barkley was uh, this year. The, the kid's a freak athlete. He played uh, at uh, local Woodland Hills around here uh, in Western PA. That's a so good program. We, yeah, we, it's a great program. You're right. Uh, coach Novak been there forever, uh, 300 wins as a football coach there. Uh, I mean, you see, as soon as he leaves, this is his first year not there, and all of a sudden they're not doing a great job as a, uh, as a program this year for his first year without. But nonetheless – Keep your eye on Miles Sanders. He's going to get that starting job, uh, assuming Barkley does go pro, which I think we all know is going to happen. Sanders is going to get that job, and I think it's going to be really fun to watch what this kid can do. Here's a fun fact. In December of 2015, when YSU was looking for a new football, or December of 14, wasn't it, Tim, when they hired Bo? Yes, Yes. 14, yeah. December of 14, Joe Moorhead was the favorite and the – Front runner to get the Youngstown State job until Bo was available. How would you? How would you? I mean, is he going to be the coach that's going to run the offense while being a head coach? Because obviously, we know that doesn't. Yeah, see, that would have been a really interesting thing. I know um, he applied for it and really wanted it after Haycock left, and then that job went to Eric Wolford, and then he applied for it again. Um, I wasn't thrilled about it uh, at the time. I know I I didn't know Tim at this point. Um, I always kept hope for Bo Plenty. I just thought it made way too much sense. I tell you a name who I wanted from the start. I wanted Bob Davy. I just mm-hmm. thought it was a home run hire. I thought you, you know he did all he could at Nebraska or uh, New Mexico and Notre Dame. Uh, he learned from his mistakes. It's a smaller job. It's coming back home. I thought Bob Davy could have done a hell of a job. When Nebraska fired Bo, I just said it's over. If anybody in that athletic department has any sense, which I know they do, uh, it was a done deal. Um, 
I would have liked Joe Moorhead. I thought he would have done a good job um, coming from Fordham to Youngstown State. That's a big jump. That's like, you know, uh, trying to quit going from Akron to Penn State. It's a huge mm-hmm. jump. Um, you know, Fordham was good under Joe Moorhead. Um, it, I didn't know a lot about him, so I couldn't, you know, say I think we – do I think we would have made the national championship game? Probably not. Um do I think we would have been better on offense? Probably. Um, you know, I say, I guess it's a catch twenty-two. Our defense, yeah, it's a hypothetical. A, our defense wouldn't be a top five defense in the country, uh, but the offense would have been better. So you never know. It's a, it, it's tough. Um, you know, he had a little more northeastern recruiting base. Uh, Bo was more of a national brand. Uh, Moorhead didn't have the attitude problems and the people detracting him. So it, it, it would have been tough to tell how he would have done here. Oh, and then look at what, you know, Lane Kiffin's now doing at Florida Atlantic, and he'll only be there for two years before somebody else offers him a job. He puts up another year even half as good as what he did uh, this past year. So that's the other thing, too, when you get uh, into a, a scenario like that on a, you know, the F- FCS level or, or the, you know, not Power 5 conference, you get a guy who – was you know sought after maybe a former head coach or, or a top top or a top coordinator uh, at the big time uh, college programs? If they go and take a head coaching job and do anything even remotely solid uh, there in their first couple of years, you know one of these big programs is going to go and throw a whole bunch of cash their way. In, what's the ridiculous number? Like forty five out of the fifty states have the top um, uh, the top paid employee in the state is a coach at a university there. I mean, they, I think the universities in the end are almost going to be able to offer uh, more money it seems than some of the professional programs. And that's, uh, you know, that, that's just a whole nother can of worms. So uh, it, the coaching carousels where they can go and leave and get their own money, where the recruits can't do, do mm-hmm. anything and they're forced then to stay. It's there's a lot of issues with that too. That's uh that's got to be dealt with across uh, across the course of the time as well. But, you know, at the same time, too, as long as programs are making money, as long as NCAA is making money, they're not going to care, are they? Yeah, it would have been – I mean, the contract signed this offseason uh, with Jimbo Fisher, $75 million. I mean, good God. Um, it was just absolutely incredible to see uh, what he got and uh, what Lane Kiffin got from FAU and – uh, Willie Taggart got to leave Oregon from uh, to go to Florida State. So it's just mind-boggling the contracts these schools are throwing at these guys. And where does it end, too? I guess that's the question. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I mean it, it's like a baseball contract. There is no limit. It's really no. how much they, – they can pay whatever they want. They can go – some school, if they really wanted to, could go and pay $50 million to go get Lane Kiffin if they wanted to. Nobody could stop them. Yeah, and – and you know, whenever I see these coaches get 10-year deals, I just laugh. I mean, it, it always seems to me when these coaches sign 10-year deals, they're gone within the next year or two. I mean, <laughs> Notre Dame gave Charlie Weiss an extension after five games his first year for 10 years. They just finished paying him last year, for God's sakes. Well, and uh, it's it, uh, the Mets, Bobby Bonilla. They're still yeah. paying Bobby Bonilla Every Christmas like 20 year, right? some years later. It's uh, yeah, you're right. And, it, and where's this it, money coming from? Yeah, I, I mean, and, and you got to think the schools like Florida State and Texas A&M, they're in these mega conferences with these 
ACC network and SEC network, I mean, it, it's only going to grow. It, it's only going to grow. And um, it's incredible. But then you realize how, like, how a school like Texas A&M can throw $75 million at a guy at their top choice and get him. And then a school in Tennessee who has a better football history that can probably throw just as around as much money as A&M can gets turned down by guys from Duke, NC State, and uh, and Purdue. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, um, you know, you're right. Is when will it end? I, I mean, it, you got to think the the contracts in five to seven years for new head coaches are going to be just out of this world. I mean, Jimbo's faces could look minute in a couple of years. Yeah, and I think they're going to. I think you're going to start seeing more of those. And uh, and with that too, talk about how ridiculous social media has turned into with uh, with all sports. And just look at that Tennessee scenario. They hire a coach oh, and then they no. have to retract it because of a, a Twitter outrage based on who they who they hired because there might have connections with us. Yeah, things that have been found not to be true. Yeah, and if if I told Tennessee fans. That in 2007, Rutgers is one win away from playing for the national championship. They would take that in a heartbeat right now because right now their program is yeah. irrelevant. He had Rutgers, yeah, a top beyond. five program in the country. Rutgers. <laughs> I mean, it, it is. It's laughable when you think it, about it. It is laughable. And, I mean, and I love that they're not going to get any other opportunities now. Nobody's going to want to take that job. No. Who would? would? I mean, yeah, yeah. Coaches from Duke. Purdue and NC State turned you down. Maybe we should send in our application. What do you think? I would send in my application and say, I will work $15 a game, and I can do the same crap Bush Jones did. <laughs> and the champions of – I can go out there every Tuesday and say, well, this is our champion of life building block. <laughs> it was you know when John Wooden did it because John Wooden's winning 70-some games in a row. It It's – it's incredible to me how Tennessee can't get it right. You're, you're Tennessee. You're not Tennessee's tech. <laughs> you're, you're a big-name program. You're supposed to be one of the top programs, supposedly. And I, I don't know. I, I'm not it, – uh, it, it, it is what it is. They're gonna, people are set in their ways, I guess. And yep. that's how uh, – Especially that, that's how Tennessee fans. Unfortunately, this is where the internet – Stop being uh, friendly to us, and we lost the rest of the podcast. So my apologies to all. However, we will be back after the holidays, before the new year, with more RadioMVP.com. Once again, thanks for downloading. We'll talk to you soon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to RadioMVP.com. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks again for the download. This is Tim from RadioMVP.com. Peace.